I'd like to pay homage to the Buddhas. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. So embracing change, mastering, letting go. So in order to embrace change, we have to be aware of change. We have to be aware of how it influences us. And uh, in order to master letting go, we have to see where it is that we hold on. What's hard to let go of. And, you know, probably many of us have already mastered it to some degree. You know, there's been a lot of letting go. It's, it's inevitable in life. We have to let go. We lose so much. You know, as Ajahn Sumedho often used to say, the human realm is a realm of loss. That we're always losing, we're losing things, losing our loved ones, losing our health, losing our youth, losing our beauty, losing our life in the end, you know. So that this is the way of things. There's one way of looking at it. Of course, there's many ways to look. And um, I think it's important also to reflect on what is it that we need to be letting go of. So when we just say, just let go, let go of everything, then it it's, can be a little bit bewildering and confusing and, and sort of unhelpful, really. Because first of all, we can't, you know, just because we want to, it doesn't work. I want to let go, and then it doesn't work that we just let go. And then there may be things that we need to be cultivating. There may be things we need to be taking care of and uh, maintaining. So we don't want to... Um, get into some sort of absolute <clears throat> stance where we try to let go of everything and not attach to end up going a little crazy if we do that. So the absolute understanding of letting go comes when we have understood it absolutely. We can't make it happen from an ego perspective. So we need to know what is it that we want to cultivate and what is it that we want to let go of. So we want to cultivate wholesome states. And the Buddha says it's our responsibility as Dharma practitioners to cultivate wholesome states. So states such as patience, generosity, appreciative joy, equanimity. Uh, allowing wisdom to arise in investigation. Letting go in the right context. I'm sure there'll be more, as we may have more that have come up for you, but there are many wholesome states that are to be cultivated, and it's, it's our duty to do that as a, as a practitioner. We must cultivate wholesome states. It's part of the part of the 
momentum of the path, part of what keeps us moving forward on the path, moving towards greater freedom. So you don't want to just let go of cultivating wholesome states. We want to cultivate those until we're liberated. And even then, we just then we don't have to work at it. Then it will just happen naturally. It'll be a natural response to life. We want to cultivate wholesome states. And we want to let go of the unwholesome states, those things that keep us stuck. So greed, you know, on a very basic level, Greed, hatred, and delusion, those three poisons that the Buddha speaks about, greed, hatred, and delusion, that, that arise in so many subtle forms and not so subtle forms. Very, they can be very insidious, and it's not so easy to see them sometimes. And also uh, attachment to view is something to be let go of. So when we have a when we're absolutely sure that we're absolutely right and our way is absolutely the only way, it's got to be like this. It's kind of a hindrance. We're not. We're only seeing through a very limited perspective when we do that. And it feels good. We feel right, and we're sure that this is the right way. It feels great actually to be right, but it's a very very limited perspective. And the Buddha is inviting us into the unlimited. So attachment to views. It's an interesting thing to explore. I'm sure you will get opportunities in your life. You know, when you're interacting with people, family or work or just, you know, whatever, just being in relationship there's going to be a difference of understanding between you and others at times. And you can see, you might, you might be able to feel that there's sort of um, a certain rigidity in like, no, this is right, it's my view, I'm right. You know? And a defensiveness if somebody is questioning that. So this is something to be explored so it's not just like, okay, I should let go of that view, because it might be that there's a lot of wisdom in that view, but there isn't wisdom in how it's being held. So to get curious about it, oh, what's that? There's a tightening up. I'm getting all defensive and tight and upset. So that's an indication that there's, you know, something's being held onto that isn't supporting our freedom and liberation. So to get curious about the, our reactions to things. And, uh, you know, letting go of, of greed. It's a, it's, it's a hard one. You know, greed is, is such a deeply ingrained pattern in most people. And you know, it's part of why on a planetary level we are in the mess we're in because Greed has been encouraged. You know, it's, it's marketable. It supports consumerist society. And so contentment is not encouraged. It's uh, looked down upon, seen as a you know, rather inferior way of being, to be content it's for the fools and the idiots. They're the content ones. Well, if that's true, then be a content fool. 
it's a contentment is a is a, a great wealth as the buddha says contentment is the greatest wealth one of the greatest wealths so when we can develop a sense of contentment and also gratitude for what we have for what the earth provides a sense of gratitude for each meal that we can eat to be able to drink water for having a comfortable enough environment to live in for having clothing sense of gratitude you know so often our culture encourages a sense of entitlement a sense of entitlement and then i'm entitled and i want more so this is a setup for unsatisfactoriness it's a setup for suffering and it supports the economical system but it doesn't support liberation so recognizing where those places are where one feels entitled and wants more and wants to demand to get what you want or should have i've got a right so just know where those places are and if you don't recognize them you might you know they might be bumped up against from time to time and then you'll see them and you can then get interested in them again so this is very important it's not to identify and think oh i'm such a bad person i shouldn't feel like that now these these uh, states are conditioned we've learned them and so they're not really who we are they're not personal as such it's only when we're grasping them and believing in them they've sort of become personal but they're not actually personal they're, they're conditioned states and so instead of being you know when we notice if we notice that we're you know, holding on to a fixed view or or feeling very entitled and, and righteous and wanting more and demanding and you know once we notice it instead of carrying on feeding that quality or berating ourselves for being such terrible people and we should know better by now we can get interested in it what's going on where does that come from what is the feeling underneath that what would happen if if I just let go now, what would happen if I let go of my position or of my demand or my expectation and just rested back into how things actually are right now? What would happen? So often it's just a feeling that's arising in the body, it might be in a, might be in the heart or in the belly, in the chest. There's a feeling of like when the shoulders, oh, no, no, I must have, I'm, I should have, or I'm, I, I am right, or you know, whatever it may be. It's that there's a tightening and a tensing, tensing and a, an agitation that comes with it. So we can get curious about this and like, oh, look at that, oh. and it helps a lot to. Uh, close our mouth while we're doing that investigation keeps us out of trouble that way but to uh, to get curious about what's going on and to see what what is it like to let that go and sometimes it can be quite surprising you know, sometimes it can feel um you know we can have very extreme reactions to letting go of old patterns of relating so once we establish awareness strongly enough, once we have a basic 
establishment in awareness where we're, we're seeing what's going on here. We're seeing different states arising and passing away. We're seeing uh, reaching out to something, wanting something and then getting it and then enjoying it and then it passing and then maybe feeling like not so well afterwards, you know. And then the next thing, we, once we watch the whole process of things from beginning to end, and then we rest back into the awareness that's knowing all of that. The more we do that, the more of a strength of refuge we have. And so we don't have to be afraid of difficult things arising. We recognize they're just feelings. They're here for a while, they throw us around for a while, and then they pass away. Whether we follow them or don't follow them, whether we try to suppress them or indulge in them, they arise and they pass away. So we want to be working towards ending karma, not making more and more karma. But we can put effort into making wholesome karma. Wholesome action with intention is helpful, supports us along the way, supports everybody, actually. And uh, unwholesome um, thoughts and speech action is, is, is just going to pull us down, make us more, uh, make it harder to, um, to let go into the truth of things. So we want to be cultivating the wholesome states and letting go of the unwholesome states. And then the awareness itself is the place of refuge where you can just sit back and it can be like a resting back and it's just knowing all of this stuff that's arising and passing away. And it doesn't judge anything. The awareness doesn't judge. It doesn't judge. It doesn't say you shouldn't be feeling that. You should know better by now. It doesn't say that. It's just like, oh, it's like this. Oh, yes, like this. It's, it's completely impartial to what is arising and passing away. So sometimes we have to go through some, uh, you know, some bumpy rides before we're able to actually let go. And we don't need to be afraid of that. It's okay. Meditation isn't supposed to just make us peaceful. We do become peaceful. But we also have to do the work. So if there's a very strong greed, wanting, grasping, indulging, you know, if that's really strong and habitual, it needs to be attended to. And it can seem like, well, it doesn't really matter, you know, it's like everybody does this, you know. It's all right, and well, you know, is it really helping you? Is it really benefiting your freedom and well-being? Is it a, an appropriate way of relating to the resources on this planet? You know? It's good to just investigate, and not not like not a guilt trip, not a should and a shouldn't, but just like really, you know, do I really need to do this? And once in a while, the answer is going to be yes right now yes i do really need to do this but not all the time so we learn to we learn to let go of our patterns of greed and wanting and accumulating and hoarding you know whatever you want to be 
And you know, a beautiful antidote to that is well, there's two. You know, one is renunciation, just simply to say no, and the other is to be generous. I want that, and I'm gonna let someone else have that. I really want that, and I'm gonna give that thing that I really want to that person. Or I'm going to just not take that extra whatever it is and let somebody else have it. So generosity is a lovely antidote to greed. It's beautiful, joyful. It's uh, expansive. It's connecting. It's lovely. So this is a, a fun way you can help to undo the patterns of greed. And then renunciation is is uh, a little bit more sobering. It's just that like. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let that go. I'm gonna give that up. I'm gonna turn away from that. I'm not gonna pick that up. And that can be hard at times, but it's also quite uh, uplifting. Also, it brings a sense of, of um, self-respect and a little bit of courage and strength. So that can also be enjoyable. But you don't want to go too far on it. No, don't, don't. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't help necessarily as the buddha discovered himself it doesn't help to go to great extremes of renunciation but to to know what it is to renounce is consciously intentionally is a very important um development for you know on the spiritual path and then uh, ill will and hatred you know we can we can have we can harbor grudges and we can cut ourselves off from other people who we are actually connected to, you know, through our families and maybe in workplaces. Sometimes we just, oh, I just can't deal with that person. I'm just going to, just not going to cut them out of my life. And I've seen this happen, you know, people cutting people out of their lives and then, you know, carrying on with this very nice life. And, but that, that's there. It doesn't go away. Those people don't really go away. They're always part of us. We're push, we're keeping them out. So learning how to let go of those uh, resentments and uh, hatred or fear or anger, learning how to let go of that and, and develop a, strength within oneself that is that where, where we don't need to keep people out of our life in that way we can still make boundaries clear boundaries are good it's good to have boundaries the precepts are boundaries and the buddha did very much encourage to be with people who will you know lead you forward who will, who will support you on the path you know kalyanamitta and not to uh, hang out with people who will drag you down. So, you know, generally that is the right way to practice. But sometimes within our families, um, there are people who drag us down. It can be that way. And, uh, or that we feel, you know, un unmet or un misunderstood. So learning how to have a heart that's big enough to make room for that and to have an inner strength that can, you know, that can bend in the winds but not break. 
This is an important part of the path. And so we're letting go of the rigidity and the and the sense of keeping out. There's a um, <clears throat> there's an Indian saint who is not a Buddhist, but Srinasagadatta, uh, um, who said, "Do with people whatever you have to do." but never shut anyone out of your heart, even for a moment. When I heard that, it kind of blew my mind. It's like, wow, that's so important because we're not separate. We're part of each other. We are influencing each other all the time. So we learn to let go of the aversion and the hatred and the resentment and the coldness through practicing the Brahma Viharas, metta, karuna, medita, upeka, the expanding the heart center in benevolence, compassion, uh, empathic joy, and equanimity. So these four qualities are very also a very important part of the path, and they help us to let go of you know, aversion and ill will cruelty, all of those things. And then uh, letting go of delusion is a little bit harder. <laughs> sometimes we can't see it, often, and sometimes we don't want to. I like my little, you know, a little fairy story. I want to. I want to live in this nice little fairy story. I don't want my bubble to be burst. Go away. Leave me alone. I like my, I like the world I've created. So, that's okay if the world you've created, you know, is because we all create the world in a way. We're all creating a little world around us, and that is how we can change the world by changing what's going on here. But as long as that's not just a fantasy world, as long as it's actually, you know, we are actually generating these good qualities and we are actually bringing something of influence to others in our life, whether it's, you know, directly in relationship or just through, you know, just sitting quietly in our room, radiating kindness for all beings. We need to actually be doing that. And... Uh, so when we're, you know, when we're attuned to the truth of things, there's, there's kind of a flow and an aliveness, a clarity that comes with that. And when we're trying to create a nice little dream world, the way we think it should be, there's a lot of uh, keeping out and there's a lot of having to uh, protect and and fabricate. So these things are different, you know. So we don't, you know, I'm all for creating a beautiful world. And you know, and the world is is complex. It's multifaceted, layered. So you know we can generate wholesome qualities right here in our heart and mind. And we can change the world through our 
thoughts and speech and action. A little bit or a lot, depending on our karma. But that's, um, that's happening through attunement to the way things are, not through some kind of dream that we want to, we wish everybody would just, or everybody would just be kind all the time and everybody would just understand and have the same understanding that we have. If only everybody had the same understanding as me, it would just be all so simple. You know, we can think like this, isn't it? It's not always so conscious, but it's sort of quietly there. So embracing things as they are in their complexity and diversity and, and generating, transforming one's own heart and mind. And we want to be seeing where greed arises, where aversion arises, where confusion arises and learning how to let go of the causes of that, and learning to let go of reacting from those states. It's, it's a deep work. It's essential. It's wonderful. There's nothing more worthwhile. So everything is changing all the time. Everything comes together, goes through a process and then breaks up. Rosette Nebula, stars being formed, stars breaking down. Who knows what will come of that? This is the way things are, constant change. So we learn to attune to that by letting go of the wanting and not wanting, of the I, me, mine. The I, me, mine is part of the delusion. But don't let go of it too soon. We want to cultivate the, the wholesome qualities here. And then the more we cultivate those wholesome qualities, the more we see they're not really personal qualities, they're kind of universal. Generosity, kindness, patience, wisdom, clarity, they're all universal qualities really. But we experience them individually here. So the Buddha says that the Dhamma is to be experienced individually by the wise. And uh, the wise are, are those who are open to the teaching, who are curious about the teaching, who want to understand more. Not just intellectually, but you know, on an intellectual level is good, and on a direct experiential level is even better. So probably everyone on this retreat would be considered the wise, because you're here investigating. And the Dhamma is to be experienced individually by each of you, each of us. And then what we experience is somewhat universal, but we experience it from this particular perspective. It's 
So, you know, our Dharma talks and guided meditations, they're here to encourage you and point you in the right direction. And you've got to do the work. Each of us has to do the work. And to be very honest, it's a path that requires great honesty and great humility. We don't get more and more wonderful and impressive necessarily, but we get more and more clear. And sometimes it's a little embarrassing at times to see what we weren't clear about for so long. And that's okay. So just, uh, I don't know whether in the hall there's any bowing happening. I don't know, but bowing to bow, to bow one's head is a, a very helpful practice because it's, it's like, you know, the ego is, is the very thing that is in the way of our freedom. And to bow is to say, I don't know. I surrender my view. I bow to that which is greater. Without having to give it a name or a form. So, this is your work. We have this little weekend retreat. And this hopefully will give you some nourishment and some... um, some... uh, more clarity or a sense of direction in their path. And then you've got to really take that and work it and make it yours. Take it in, live it, experience the transformation. So I want to offer that today. Thank you. And now we're going to have another um, still meditation without guidance.